Hello and welcome to Season 1, Episode 2 of Teed Up, an original podcast created and produced by Long Beach State student-run newspaper, The Daily 49er. I'm Isabel Salaji. I am Sunny Tapia. I'm Maddie G. And I'm Naoki. Thank you so much for joining us today. We have a lot to get into, and to start things off, we're going to take a look at the latest in Long Beach sports. Men's basketball played UC Santa Barbara last night at the Pyramid. We were on a verge of, a, I think, what, seven or eight straight wins? Seven straight. Yeah, we had beaten Fullerton the week prior, Irvine, and then we took on the number one seed in the Big West last night, UC Santa Barbara. Sonny, you were our correspondent there at the game. You were had some good seats, got you on TV on ESPNU. National television. Yeah, let us know what happened, what happened? Oh, man. So, I mean, as you said, we did have a really good streak going. We swept our rival CSU Fullerton uh, in the regular season, which is always good. But it was not the greatest showing against UC Santa Barbara, regardless of the fact that we only lost by three points. It was 75-72. Abubakar Traore absolutely dominated in his normal playing style. Uh, ended the game with 18 points, 10 rebounds, and six assists. And the Biggest thing that was really upsetting is that Marcus Sahonis, two points and went one for 13. Mm. That is wild, especially when he is our best scoring player as of right now, average wise. So it's very, very wild to see that. And it was very frustrating because they were so sloppy. Everything that they did was too fast. It caused way too many turnovers. And a lot of those turnovers, honestly, tone tone man he was just i understand like that's his play style we've talked about it before he's a very fast player very quick moving wants to get up and down the court but when it's not working change it up we are a d1 program and to see him play like that and cause these turnovers and cause these issues it's frustrating and we should have won that game so i mean if we play that sloppy going into the big west tournament which i think we're still going to make because Obviously, we are, what, fourth in Big West right now, fifth or something like that? Fifth, yeah. So we're going to make it. But if we play like that, we're out in one game. It's done. Yeah, I mean, with Joel Murray being out for an extended period of time, um, players like Sahonis have to step up, right? He's kind of taken on the responsibility of being the primary ball handler and scoring option, right? He's taken a lot of shots, playing a lot of minutes. But a player like Tone Hunter, where he comes off the bench, he is now the secondary ball handler coming off the bench for that second unit, lead that second unit uh, when the starters come off. He doesn't necessarily have to be more aggressive as a playmaker, but be a little bit smarter about it, right? When the second units come off, uh, they come into the game, right? The competition level is still D1, but it drops off just a slight bit, right? Let's say if starters and you have bench guys, but... I think Tony is an extremely talented player. He, I like his attitude on the court. He's always been a very high up-tempo guy and a very sporadic player, right? Offense and de- offensively and offensively. He's a very aggressive defensive player on the ball and off the ball. And yeah, sometimes on, on the offensive end might lead to some um, like dumb turnovers or careless turnovers that hurts us a little bit. And even on the off on the defensive end when you play a little too aggressively, you can get uh, into foul trouble really, really quickly, right? He came off the bench, had five personal fouls. You know what I mean? So it's a, it's a, it's a discipline issue, not just on him, but as a, as a team, right? We had 15 total turnovers as a team to Santa Barbara's 12, right? So it's a, you got, we got, we have to take care of the ball. 
we have to look for more efficient shots, right? I mean, Abubakar, 8 of 12. Lasina Traore, 7 of 13. So when you feed it to these big guys inside where you have a high, it's a high percentage shot, you got to take those shots when you can get them. I mean, it was a high percentage shot from both of them. I mean, they kind of controlled the paint throughout most of the game. Um, that's where most of the points came from anyway. But like we are a top rebounding team in the nation and it did not show like it normally does. No. I mean, Lacina not doing what he does best. Rebound. We couldn't box out yep. every time we went down the floor. All of a sudden, we would start bouncing the ball up in the air and Santa Barbara would just grab it from us. Yeah. So it was super frustrating to watch because when you're so used to that rebounding category being so high and then all of a sudden it just drops off, that's really upsetting. And like I said, going to the Big West tournament, that's not going to go well. Yeah, you described it to me as like the players just kind of running out of energy. Didn't look like they're necessarily there. I kind of felt like Sahonis realistically shouldn't even been out there a lot during the second half. The body language wasn't there. Arms at the side. Wasn't necessarily even tracking back on defense anymore. Right. Just that lack of adjustment. We also didn't call timeouts. Very end of the game. Proved costly. Yeah, I think it's a game like this where when your offense is getting a little sloppy on the of everybody else on the court to have a guy like Joel Murray, who's a steady veteran presence that can get the any shot that he wants at an efficient rate and just, hey, this is not working. Give me the ball and get out of my way, right? And so it's it's a discipline thing. It's a maturity thing. But this is a learning thing, right? I mean, this beach team has proven that they can hang with the top competitions of this conference, regardless if we play well or not, right? We didn't have a great game, but we only lost by three. I mean, yeah, you look at it like the lead changed 11 times, yeah. tied back up 16 times. And we had seven point lead at one point. Really looked like we were in control and could have taken over, but just kind of slipped away. On a lighter note, women's basketball pulled out a win against UC Santa Barbara by one point. Tori Harris, 21 points, eight rebounds. Their win streak now goes to nine straight wins and are the number one seed in the Big West Conference. I mean, talk about a dominant performance, right? I mean, it was a close game. Extremely, extremely close. And like I said, this this women's team is extremely talented from top to bottom. They've proven that like, they're the best team. They've just been the best team all year. And it, it's sad that nobody... Not almost nobody. A lot of people don't watch this team across almost every sport that we have on this in this school. They've been the best. They're so, dominant. They're dominant. It's like it's absolutely ridiculous. But rough night for the men's team. A great night for the women's team. Men's volleyball played UCLA last night. As of the time of this recording, this is on Friday. But and then we played UCLA again tonight on Friday, February tenth of the UCLA series. We played at UCLA last night. Got reverse swept. It was just a straight sweep. Straight sweep? Yeah, three sets to zero. And I think the closest one was 21-25. Yeah. Maybe home court advantage will change that. Hopefully. We'll have to see how it goes. On some accolade news, uh, women's basketball player Makai Berry hitting the 1,000-point club in school history. Massive milestone. Maybe you want to tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, that one came in the UCI game. And she's actually the 26th player in program history to do it. And Makai Berry, she was actually recruited by Jeff Cammon, one of his like original players with the team, and just kind of proven to be that veteran who's someone you can always kind of lean on. Yeah, her and 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 Tori Harris have been just a, a monster dynamic one-two punch this season. And it's their individual successes have really translated to overall team success, which is what you love to see. All right, moving on from Beach Sports. Boys, the NFL awards for the 2022-2023 season just happened. Can you tell us who won what? 
What do we think? How are we feeling? I'm upset. Say I'm, more. I'm I'm genuinely upset. Look, Says the Eagles fan. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. You're okay. in the Super Bowl. It's enough. No, I get it. I get it. We've been the best team in the league and not a single person wins an award. Now, I'm not pushing for Jalen Hurts for MVP. That's Patrick Mahomes. Fair enough. Matt Agee, you know what we were talking earlier, right? Sirianni. Yeah. We were, Sirianni should have got it. I'm sorry. Disagree. I, I really think the ball deserved it. I'll fight you right now. The Giants compared to like the Eagles when you go into trajectory for this season, way different. The ball gets them to the playoffs. That's true. But I, I do believe that since we came off of the divisional round last year, getting mauled by the Bucks to having an amazing offseason. Now, that more goes to how Harry Roseman built the team, not just in the offseason, but throughout the year, but also how Sirianni has been able to implement all these different parts and all these signings and trades that we got in the offseason to be the best team arguably the best team in all of football and then make it to the Super Bowl in the span of a season, I felt as as an Eagles fan that I think I felt like he should have got it. I I really feel like he should have got it. Now all props to Coach Brian DeBoer like they were the second worst team in the league yes, last year. I, I know, I know. But I would say that's that's more on the back of Saquon Barkley rather than Coach DeBoer. Mention mention your boy Danny Dimes. Danny Dimes development story. I don't know. I think the ball really kind of proved the Giants are like an actual team now. I think besides that, I felt like every person or every player that won their respective award, I genuinely think they deserved it, apart from maybe Garrett Wilson winning Offensive Rookie of the Year. I feel like he should have gone to Kenneth Walker. Yeah, Kenneth Walker got 19 first place votes. Garrett Wilson got 18. But how the system works now is it's points based. And that's what gave Garrett Wilson the edge. Uh, and it allowed the Jets to sweep out wow. for Rookie of the Year. So no, Sauce Gardner wins. Sauce deserved it. He deserved the defensive rookie of the year. Uh, Isabel, your man. My man, Nick Bosa, defensive player of the year. I'm I'm proud. I'm slightly surprised, but I'm proud. I think I felt like most of the season people were talking about him winning Depoy, as I like to call it. It was fitting. uh, I think I think he deserved it. His suit looked nice. So. I mean, I feel like a lot of the awards in the future might just come from the NFC East mm-hmm. because that's we got all of them. That's the best no, division. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's going to be a testament to how the players actually play, and it's going to be kind of cool to see, especially yeah. being a Cowboys fan. You know, being as an Eagles fan, like we were the worst division for so long. Oh yeah, and now we're the Best. Yeah, we've been yeah we've been a, a, an amazing division. Um, Geno Smith, comeback player Let's of the go. year. That's fitting. Uh, it, that one, I I don't think anybody. Well, of course, any, anybody can dispute it, mm-hmm. right? Because he did, what did he come back from? But I think it's just like because he was what a first round pick, no? Ah, uh, I don't. Geno Smith was a first round pick. Heidi touted quarterback. He had a couple decent stints on other teams, and then he comes to the Seattle team to oh, not a first rounder. Geno is round two. Round, oh, still, still pretty high. Still pretty high. Yeah. Out of West Virginia. I mean, I think it was agreed upon that his career was basically over. Yeah, it's kind of like year... the, the Ryan Tannehill-esque mm-hmm. comeback player of the year. Yeah. Right? I'd go like, Phillip Rivers. Oh, uh, yeah. Phillip Rivers yeah. more, right? Like, you had higher-ish expectations. You didn't meet mm-hmm. them for a while. And then all of a sudden, now you carry a, a bad Seahawks team in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Well, very, very well-deserved. Did everybody you guys feel that won their award? Was that appropriately w- awarded to, or is is there one that you guys think that absolutely not? It sh- this award should have gone to this other person. Mike Parsons, defensive player of the year. Not actually. Both, that, that I 
listen, I'm not saying it's a debate. the Bosa it's an argument. Uh, award was not, I, I, it wasn't unanimous. I think you no. could have made an argument against him for sure. You could, you could have made a case for various players. Yes. Various, but I various think players. that, I don't know. I kind of like that though. I don't like when there's just one singular player that's like a standout for the award. I, I, I think it's better for the game when you have multiple players yeah. who could win yeah, the yeah, award. Yeah. It, it makes it interesting. Yeah. And it's, it shows the, the level of talent that we have around exactly. the league. Exactly. All right. Some of the biggest headlines from last week in press sports were coming out of the NBA, obviously, because the trade deadline was last week. A lot happened, like a lot happened. So let's recap it. This past week and just in the NBA in general was just one of probably one of the craziest weeks that we've ever had. Right. LeBron passes a cream in the all time scoring list. Russ gets traded. Kevin Durant gets traded. But Kyrie to the Mavs next to Luka Doncic. That's going to be odd to watch. Yeah, because I feel like that's going to be a battle for the ball for the last chance shot to win the game that whole situation i don't know how that's gonna go because i mean don't get me wrong i'm a huge Kyrie fan on the court off the court thank you for the clarification debatable we can talk about that later not so much on the court phenomenal i have loved Kyrie since he was at duke he has been phenomenal at the point guard position but now when you throw debatably a top three player in the NBA in Luka Doncic, like that's going to be a fight for that final shot. You could compare it to when Kyrie was next to KD for these years and when he was next to LeBron, but Luka is young. He's a young player who ever since he's gotten to Dallas has had the ball in his hands. He's like, I want the last shot. This is my team. I want it. Then you bring a guy in like Kyrie who might not be young anymore, but he still firmly believes that I'm the guy I want the ball in my hands. Get out of my way. And I think that's why it's not going to work because Kyrie is like that everywhere he goes and he always causes problems and blows up a franchise and Mm -hmm. then goes on to the next team and does the same thing again. I don't see this panning out well, but I am curious to hear. So, I mean, the Nets, have the Nets just folded as an organization? They got rid of Kyrie. They got rid of KD. Yeah. In the KD trade, they got a lot of good younger pieces. They traded um, for KD. They got Cam Johnson. Mikhail Bridges, a lot of younger surrounding talent. What are, who are they necessarily building around? I have no idea. Is it Ben Simmons? I highly doubt it. Is it Cam Thomas? I hope not. Is it Cam Thomas? Because Cam Thomas, since Kyrie got traded, he dropped back to back 40 bombs, you know, so he's turning into the bucket that everybody was, you know, advertising to be. But I think if, if you're the Nets and you're trading Kyrie away, you're trading KD away, and you're trying to get young players and assets, it's a rebuild. Essentially what it is is a midseason rebuild, but I think it came a little bit too late because you had already won a few games. You were in the Eastern Conference playoff picture already as it was. Like, this is not the time to tank for Wimbenyama. Like, if that's the move to tank for Victor Wimbenyama, it was at a bad time. But I just want to say, like, the Celtics beat the Nets like 10 straight times since the 2019 or 2020 playoffs and they've hit the reset button so as a Celtics fan we will take the credit for the Nets resetting as a franchise and you're welcome Phoenix Suns fans and Dallas Mavericks fans there you go uh the Lakers traded Russell Westbrook to the Utah Jazz thank and now the discussion is the Jazz are gonna buy out Westbrook's contract and then where will he go next some are saying the Clippers some are saying the Wizards which would what do we think Going to the Clippers would be a weirder move because you already have Kawhi there. You have Paul George there. You just traded for Eric Gordon and you got backup pieces for your your big man depth and your wing depth over there. But the thing that came out 
within the last few days leading up to the deadline was like Westbrook was not he was a, a a chemistry killer he was just an not I want to say an awful teammate but he was very like not into what his role was going to be and that, I would think that's what ended up shipping him out so Russell was going to the Clippers he just traded for Bones Highland you still have Kawhi and PG you just got traded out of LA as if you're Russell Westbrook do you really want to be back in LA just in a different uniform the move back to Washington is an interesting one just because he did have some success when he was there it's just more of like where is where is his priority at at this stage of his career is it to be the the guy on a team or is it to win a championship right that was the case when he came to LA was take on a lesser role to compete for a championship but which was clear that he was not willing to do so he kind of has to make up his mind as to what what does he want to do with his career at this point you know and 40 million dollars for Westbrook's contracts a lot of money for the Jazz you know so they might explore that option but I don't think it's that realistic well I mean do we feel bad for Russ or do we feel worse for like John Wall oh god he's going back to Houston (laughs) and he hated it in Houston he hated Houston so so I mean I feel worse for John Wall yeah, because a- I've always been a John Wall fan. Yeah. He's always been cool. He's a solid player. Yeah. I just love his attitude, his play style. He's just so energetic, so enthusiastic of everything. And then all of a sudden he just gets shifted back to Houston. <laughs> when I saw that on my Twitter, I immediately like my heart dropped for John Wall because after all the stuff that had like he came out and said about his time in Houston and they're literally like the 15th seed in the West, <laughs> the worst team in the league. And I don't think there's a player on that team that's like under the age of like 23. Like they're all like super young players. And here comes John Wall with being tatted from neck to toe. And he's just like pissed off. It's, pissed off throwing up gang signs after he hits a three. Yeah, it's it's outrageous. All right. I think arguably the, the story that kind of got overshadowed through all the trade deadline madness was LeBron James, the kid from Akron, Ohio, passed up Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as the leader all time in points in over a hundred less games than Kareem did it. Yeah. He did it in a hundred less and that's a big deal, but it got overshadowed by, I feel the KD trade. And that's another debate is like, who's bigger. Now this isn't a goat conversation. No, this is who's bigger talking wise in the league, KD or LeBron. I I think it's because KD for such a long time was considered an untradeable asset that you have a KD on your team, you don't trade him. You build around him and then you try to win with him. So the fact that he gets traded mid-season is to the Suns of all to places. the Suns. Well, they they're like going all in on a championship. Yeah, they right want now. that. They want that. They show. want it. So LeBron will always, I think, will always be bigger. It's just of the idea of Kevin Durant getting traded midseason. It's timing. It's it's all it's bizarre. It's just yeah, it's just all the timing. Now, if LeBron had done this like next week, like a week after the trade, it would have been the highlight of the rest of the season. No, one hundred percent. You know what I mean? So I think um, I think they're big talking points on different aspects. I, I would believe, right? You, LeBron will always be the biggest talking point of the GOAT conversation, right? You can't talk GOAT without LeBron. In terms of top players in the league currently, the best scorers in the league, Kevin Durant, he's there. I think the saddest part was just everyone was on their phones. 
Oh yeah, everyone yes. compared to when Kareem did it. Not a single phone when, in sight. Yeah, when Jordan hit the game winner against the Jazz, and not like, a single phone. Just vibes. Yep, I love that. Well, I mean, that's what happened um, when LeBron broke the record. Phil Knight, he was on the sideline. They have a photo of him. He was just sitting in his seat, arms crossed, the yep. coolest guy ever, just watching history in yep. the moment. Gotta love it. Bronny wasn't even doing that. Bronny oh, yeah. filmed it. Bronny so filmed it. So did yep. Bryce. Yep. Okay, we're going to take a break to move on to the segment you have all been waiting for. Pickle break. What I lack for in NBA knowledge, I definitely can make up in pickle knowledge. Yes. If you guys were able to watch the UCSB game last night, David Pickles, he might not have seen the floor for a single minute, but I do know his impact would have been very, very great had he got out there. The sophomore forward from Seattle, Washington, isn't the only player who plays basketball with the name Pickles. Uh, Is anyone here familiar with Bill Kennedy? Of course. Slightly. How about William Kennedy? Sure. Isn't it the same person? Well, really, he's Pickles Kennedy. (laughs) So uh, Pickles Kennedy, you know, seven games for the Philadelphia Warriors in 1960. Ooh. And that's about all his Wikipedia says, but... Hey, but he great he had, advocate for the pickle name. One hundred percent. I love that. I love that. Pickles Kennedy. Honestly, I think it's just. I think it's just because that's what his name was. They're just like, no, nah, we can't have him. I think that's messed up. Like I kind of watched a couple of his highlight tapes, and he was a oh, walking bucket. Was they think he smelled like vinegar? Probably. That's why they didn't want it's him. Just, it's just a smell, right? Yeah. Is that what it is? Mm-hmm. But like, is he? We talked about this last week on on the on the Eagles introducing pickle juice to cure cramps you think he brought that into the league they create did he create a, a pickle juice revolution probably not he didn't average nah. a single stat over two points word nah 1.7 points 1.1 rebounds 1.3 assists could have used them last night against Santa barbara I'm not gonna um <laughs> yeah and then moving away from that sunny you're a bit of a sneaker head oh absolutely and i didn't even know this existed yeah so i kind of want your thoughts on the patrick ewing gorilla's pickle shoe it's very interesting. I've never been a big fan of Patrick Ewing's shoes. Um, I might be now to support the pickle break. Mm-hmm. It's very green. Yeah. Very green. Will, will you buy a pair? Probably not. If I don't I, make enough from this. If I buy you a pair, will you wear it? As a gift, yes. Sick. They're like $400 on stock. Never now. mind. Never yeah. mind. I don't want nope. them that bad. Retailed at 140 but I can only find two pairs that exist nowadays. Never mind. No, no, you know what? Never mind. I, I'll make my own pickle shoes for you. I'll me, take and Mad- me and Maddie G will make you a, a pair of pickle shoes. Just got to get some larger cucumbers. Yeah, and get get a big... We're going to make it in the, in the tub of your shower. You know, the last thing is 2015, Nets Bucks playing a game in Brooklyn, out of nowhere, half-eaten pickle on the court. <laughs> and that was it. They had to delay the game. I don't know why someone didn't want to finish that pickle. If it was me... How dare they? It probably wouldn't have been half-eaten. It wouldn't have made it to the court, but... Well, Okay, uh, be honest. If you're a player in the game and you see a half-eaten pickle hit the floor, do you, you pick finish it? it. No, do you pick it up and eat it? Yeah. Right. Well, they threw That's a hot right. dog on the court last That's night true. for the UCS they game. They did. They did that? Yeah. And it stopped the game for a second and they had to pick it up. They I assume it, it had up. relish. I assume. I hope it did. I hope it did. That would make it so much better. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But uh, you're, you're eating that though, right? Well, yeah. Yeah. You don't want to cramp. No. A hundred percent. No, you know what? We learned it last week. You don't want to cramp. That's so you finished the pickle. So... PSA, anybody that plays basketball, you see a half-eaten pickle hit the court, eat it. And not only do you not delay the game, but you also cure your cramp that you might get in the middle of the game. You don't need a Theragun. No, no, no. No Theragun, no Gatorade. Just, you know, make sure you eat it out of the end that wasn't bitten. You know what I mean? You don't want to catch anything. (laughs) (laughs) 
Thank you for that, Manny G. Um, Naoki, tell us what's been going on with Manchester City. As a soccer fan, this hurts to see, right? As a Liverpool fan, it grind, it really grinds my gears, man. They are being charged with over 100 breaches of financial rules, and it dates back to 2009. How many titles did you guys lose because of that? Too many. We should legitimately have like 30 league titles. No, I'm just kidding. But we should have at least one or two. What do you think, Matty G, is the right repercussion for a I don't want to say crime, but for a violation such as this. I think it's going to take a while to like really know the full length to it. From yeah. what I heard, I had to deal with, they reported their sponsorship money is yep. a lot more than what they're getting. Mm-hmm. And that's how they're able to get around financial fair play. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it's shameful. Man City's always been known for a team with just a ton of money. Yeah, I mean, we saw... Do we see a point reduction? Do we yeah, see... Yeah, we saw Juventus earlier in the year that... They got their points deducted. I think because this is on such a grander scale that went on for a longer period of time, I think it had you had to put on a worse punishment. I don't think they will. I I honestly think if anything, it's gonna be a transfer ban similar to Chelsea. Expulsion. Take them out of the from the Prem. Expulsion from the Prem. Send them to the MLS. You know, Pep was saying that if if any of the management had would have lied to him that he was gonna leave. So where does Pep go? He's been very like strange still because he hasn't really talked about it outside of he doesn't think it happened still. Yeah, I think he's staying side by side with like the ownership. And the saddest part is like if you go look at English soccer, all the money at the top, the bottom's got nothing. Yeah, there's like clubs like South and United playing in like the sixth tier that are about to completely just fold. Yeah, they don't have the money, they're in debt, players don't get paid. Yep, and these are like the local clubs. You hate to see it, but I mean, like. Liverpool is owed some titles. United is owed some titles. Like, Chelsea yeah, is owed Chelsea. some titles. I think like the biggest takeaway is that at least Man City never won a Champions League during That's this time. True. That's so true. That's what you love to see. They were able to break all the rules and never really get what they wanted most. I read something earlier that Holland might be on his way out if all this it's, comes mm-hmm. to light and whatever happens, happens. Because I hear that Pep never really wanted Holland and City and then him and, him and Holland have never had the greatest relationship well there's been like a lot of talk about does holland fit the system does holland make man city worse Mm. is holland better than man city it's really hard to tell i mean holland's gonna shatter the goal scoring record yeah unless something like dramatic happens he's got 25 goals in 20 matches right he's like well on track to shatter alan Shearer's scoring record yeah holland really can just sit and shoot he doesn't actually have to play necessarily good the distribution at man city is uncomparable to any other team they let Chal Cancelo walk that's true that, to Bayern Munich I forgot I forgot that that because that was what like minutes before the deadline no yeah minutes before the deadline loaned him out this is my PSA English Premier League drama get him out get city out of here get him out bro this is outrageous give Liverpool give us our titles bro I yeah. want it I want Chelsea too. Come on, man. Chelsea's hard to kind of talk about in this situation. <laughs> a lot of people say we're gonna be next. Oh yeah, spending six hundred million in in one tra- one year in one in two transfer windows. Yeah, like three hundred million in two windows. Oh, couldn't be Liverpool. And to wrap things up for today's episode, in the spirit of the trade deadline season, let's talk about the worst trades in sports history. Naoki, you want to start? Yes. So as you guys have heard me ramble about basketball for the past like 20 minutes, I'm a big basketball head. I love basketball. If you have paid any attention to basketball within the last like couple of years, you know the story of Kyle Korver. Kyle Korver was 
a sec- late second round pick in the illustrious 2003 draft that featured LeBron, Dwayne Wade, Carmelo Anthony, Chris Bosh, Darko Milicic. He on draft night, he was drafted by the Nets, who were at the time they were in New Jersey, and they he got traded to the Sixers, Philadelphia 76ers, for an undisclosed amount of cash that led to a copy printer. That the Nets used that money to buy a copy machine, and a few years ago. Kyle Korver delivered a speech at Creighton and he said he heard that a few years prior to his speech that the copy machine actually broke. So he said that he outlasted the copy machine that he got traded for. And then a part of that money too was used to pay the entry fee for the Nets Summer League team, but nobody cares about the Nets Summer League team. And then Kyle Korver ends up being one of the greatest sharpshooters of all time. So you trade one of the greatest shooters of all time for a copy machine that only lasts you a few years. It's an it's an L. Maddie? Oh uh, yeah, I think it's Fernando Tatis for James Shields. Fernando Tatis at the time was an unknown prospect. James Shields was kind of like already kind of not having a good year. You trade him over. I think he finished the year for six or seven ERA. And Tatis, before everything happened, was top shortstop in baseball. I think Tatis's kind of perspective has changed a lot. People are going to have different opinions on him after the whole steroids thing. What was it? A lotion? He said it was what, like a dewormer or something. It was a, something first a dewormer and then there's something else after that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like a steroid cream Also or the motorcycle accident. And will he ever be necessarily the same player? Are steroids bad in baseball? Is that a question? That's a different topic. We can talk about that a whole other episode. (laughs) I don't know. I think for me, as far as like worst trades, it has to be Kobe for Vladdy Divac. Like, is it Divac or Divac? Divac. Yeah, him. Vladdy Divac. It's like you, I mean, obviously they didn't know at the time because Kobe was this young high school kid coming out of Lower Marion and they didn't really know what to expect. But turns out he ended up being debatably the greatest basketball player of all time. And they trade him for Vladdy. Like of all people, you trade him for him. Well, he wasn't that bad. He wasn't terrible. But if you're picking a player, who are you going to pick? Kobe or Vladdy? Well, yeah, hindsight, of course. You, you go. I mean, he's a five-time champion, and oh, I thought you were gonna say Vlade Divac. Nah, that's <laughs> a joke. That's no. Nah. <laughs> I'll take Kobe any day, and I mean, that's wild. I mean, because they made that trade during the draft in 1996. They yeah. like the Charlotte Hornets literally had Kobe in a Charlotte Hornets hat when yep. he got drafted, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden they were like, "Nope, psych, you're going to LA." That's a huge trade, and but it turned out really good because I mean, I'm a Laker fan. I got to watch Kobe, and it was great growing up. As a Yankees fan, my choice brings me a much what? joy. Yankees. I feel like every Why? week we do this show, I find yeah. out that you're are you finally you're a fan of a team that like it's you just wouldn't so, have expected. Yeah, yeah. Because you back so many other players from other teams. I like individual players, but like I do Bosa. have yeah, but I do have my like my teams right. that I ride and die with. So my choice for worst trade is the Red Sox trading Babe Ruth to the Yankees in 1920 for about 125 thousand dollars, which so it was at the time where it was like you sell players, which yeah. seemed weird. Um, and at the time, that's an astronomical amount of money. Yeah. But in all, it was a terrible decision. I mean, Babe Ruth had led the Red Sox to three World Series victories, essentially gave him away. He went on to lead the Yankees to another four World Series victories. Is now considered one of the best MLB players of all history. And the Red Sox, they missed out on all that because they, they were dumb. And that makes me was happy. The Red Sox treated candy for $125,000? Yes. They said, here's a chocolate bar. And they spent it on a musical. Yeah, a musical. I was going to say, wasn't that included in the trade deal? Mm-hmm. I love that. So there we go. Okay, we got to go. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us for season one, episode two of Teed Up. Thank you to our editor, Andy Nguyen, and our producer, Layla Nunez. 
If you want to stay up to date on the latest in Long Beach State sports, check out our website, daily49er.com. And follow us on our socials at Daily49er. That's all for us, boys. Say goodbye. See you later. Eagles winning on Sunday, by the way. Ah, ah, ah. See you next week. Bye. Bye.